Back empowers you to get it together with a single digital wallet. Use Back to aggregate, convert, send, and spend digital assets like crypto, loyalty and rewards points, and gift cards. Get started by downloading the Back app today and treat your digital assets just like cash. And I also want to give a shout out to Kraken. With Kraken, the cryptocurrency exchange, you can instantly buy and sell over 50 of the most popular cryptocurrencies or even earn additional rewards through their industry leading staking service. Payouts are twice a week and you can earn up to 20% each year. Visit Kraken.com now to learn more. Exodus is one of the most loved crypto apps due to its sleek design and easy to use exchange feature. Secure and manage over 130 cryptocurrencies from your computer or phone. No account registration is required. Download Exodus at exodus.com and you're ready to go. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, Director of News at The Block. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest, Kristen Smith of the Blockchain Association. She holds the record. I was, I was doing the math and crunching the numbers yesterday. And it, it turns out Kristen has been on the show more than any other guest that we've had. I'm excited for this conversation. And I'm sure it won't be the last, but without further ado, again, uh, to the topic at hand. So I'm sure all of you were paying attention to the market about a week ago when we saw that Treasury FUD spreading about the Department of the Treasury clamping down on a bunch of financial institutions for operating in Bitcoin. Um, there's been a lot of weird, erroneous news out there in the interwebs these days pertaining to crypto, and the market's been reacting to it in a way at least to a degree that I haven't seen since 2017. But it raises an interesting question, which is, well, what is actually Treasury and DC and all the other agencies as we sort of finally get these people in their seats, right? Gary Gensler of the SEC recently confirmed. What are they actually thinking about the market? And for that, we have Kristen. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me back, Frank. And I, I've made it my life's mission to not let anyone get ahead of me on, on this record that I've set here with your program. So You're going to have to send some people after <laughs> Sam Bankman fried. I know. I, uh, I mean, anytime I'm like on a, a tweet with someone like that, I, I kind of have to pinch myself and... Um, it's pretty awesome, but um, but yeah, no, I there is a lot of stuff going on. Um, there is also a lot of rumors going around that really have no sort of truth or foundation in them. And um, maybe before I get into what sort of is and isn't happening, I wanted to kind of walk through how we get our information at the Blockchain Association. Um, we're an organization that is based here in Washington, D.C. We are within a you know couple blocks of the White House, about a mile away from Capitol Hill. Uh, yes, a lot of people are working from home, but most of the federal regulators are still in the area. There are small social events that, that have been going on, um, and we've kept in very close touch with, you know, sort of many of our friends and allies in government, um, as well as, uh, you know, introduced ourselves to the new people coming into government. So so we have a very extensive direct connection 
with many, many of the policymakers that the crypto community cares about. And, you know, that's not just me having a, a list of friends that I text. That is, uh, you know, we have a seven person team, many of whom have relationships with different parts of government. We have multiple um, lobbying firms and law firms on retainer of people who used to be in government or who are close to people who are in key positions today. And outside of that, we actually have a whole network of allies and coalitions and friends. And so when something is happening, we tend to know about it before it happens. Um, Now, we don't necessarily know about it with every sort of enforcement action, because those tend to be held pretty closely. But on other policymaking fronts, um, we do have a pretty good sense. And quite frankly, sometimes even on the enforcement side, we have some pretty good information. So all of that is to say, what, what I say comes from, I think, a fairly informed viewpoint. Um, and um, I know some of the sources, if they were cited with some of the rumors that, that have been floating around on Twitter and elsewhere, you know, came from people who are Wall Street executives and things like that. You know, those people don't necessarily have their ear to the ground here. So I would sort of take what they say with a great assault. But maybe I'll dive in and talk a little bit about what is happening right now in DC and where we think the the threats are. So starting with Treasury, uh, you know, we've got Janet Yellen, who's the Treasury Secretary. She doesn't care much about crypto. It's not that she hates crypto. She just has bigger things on her plate. It is our understanding that she has not been briefed on these issues yet. So anything she has said comes from not a sort of well thought out informed policy position, but but more of a, um, you know, sort of knee jerk reaction to, uh, you know, being caught off guard to a question. It's our thinking that she is going to defer heavily to Wally Adeyamo, who is the deputy Treasury Secretary. Uh, he just showed up a couple weeks ago over to Treasury and um, like Yellen has a lot of priorities on his plate. Um, they're still working to fill out a lot of key positions at the Treasury Department. And so a lot of the day-to-day sort of monitoring, educating, policy making going on at Treasury is really being done at the career level. And so these are these are people that have been around Treasury for for a long time. I think that the thing that we do have to worry about at Treasury isn't coming from, you know, sort of the top people, as I've said, but is is Treasury's interactions with and participation in the Financial Action Task Force or the FATF. The FATF is a is a group of jurisdictions from around the globe that come together to try to make recommendations and harmonize anti-money laundering and um, countering the financing of terrorism, so AML-CFT rules and laws um, around the globe. And the FATF has proposed something that's actually fairly scary. Um, they, they proposed a, a very expansive regulation that would, if adopted, um, would um, really require a lot of different entities today to register in the U.S. as a money services business. There's been a lot of pushback on that. There's a process going in place. There was a, there was a comment period this week, um, and then the FATF is going to be in June to figure out where to proceed. So, so there is a process there, but. If you look at what's going on at Treasury, Treasury is not driving any rulemakings. Um, They certainly aren't involved in the enforcement 
side of things, um, you know, from the main treasury. Now, there are a couple agencies within treasury like FinCEN and the OCC that aid investigations and do 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 enforcement. But the, the threat right now is not Yellen um, and it is not Wally Adeyamo at this time. Um, but we are watching very closely what's happening with the FATF. So there's sort of three main points that you're making here. The first is, and I think this is the most basic point for folks to wrap their head around, Treasury, first off, isn't really involved in a lot of, at all, these enforcement cases, aside from those specific divisions you outlined. Second, even if we do a temperature check of what Janet Yellen and Treasury is thinking about as it pertains to crypto, it's kind of lukewarm or sort of indifferent. And then I think you had another point baked into there, which is kind of the most important thing, at least being looked at and explored, is FATF right now. Yes, yes. And FATF is an interesting, interesting organization. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a sort of a UN style organization. And, you know, FATF will make recommendations, adopt recommendations, and the member countries of FATF are, are under a lot of pressure to enforce those. They aren't required to do so because this organization doesn't have the authority to do that. But there are mutual evaluations every few years of different countries, uh, and they're given a score. And if you're really out of whack, then you appear on what's called a gray list, or, or if you're really, really bad, you're on a blacklist. But the U.S., you know, they've never been close to being on those lists. Um, you know, they don't have a perfect score, but they, you know, pass every time. But the important thing to think about with those mutual evaluations is that is not just on crypto AML policy, that is overall AML CFT policy. And so even though we don't like what they propose, there's going to be a lot of process and a lot of debate and discussion and opportunity to influence whatever the ultimate outcome is going to be um, long before, you know, it ever actually comes down and into effect. But, you know, the travel rule discussions, um, which is dealing with exchanges and other money services businesses that is sort of result of, of the FATF. And that's been, those discussions have been going on for years on how to implement them. And, and they haven't been yet um, because the technology is still sort of coming into place. So the FATF should be taken very seriously, but it's not like a situation we were facing back in December where all of a sudden there was this like midnight rulemaking coming down that would go into effect immediately. And, and the industry had to respond this is going to be a much more long um, and drawn out process with FATF. But I'm, I'm confident that we have a, a lot of smart people thinking about it. We're, I think, slowly making progress with the stakeholders. And, you know, we're not alone in the US. We've been talking to our friends in Europe and in the UK and other jurisdictions that are, are working on this with their home countries as well. So so yes, you, you should be fearful of FATF, but it's not immediate. And there's definitely a lot of activity going on to try to fix the proposals that they put forth. Gotcha. So what would be a best outcome for that? Uh, I think in the short term, we would like to have more time, right? Because what, what FATF is trying to do is take regulations that were designed for centralized intermediaries and apply them to the decentralized world. And, you know, if they do that, essentially what they do is they just sort of shut down whatever that entity is, somebody else, you know, copies and pastes that code. And then, you know, a couple minutes later starts up 
a new organization, uh, not even organization, but a new a new new protocol that does the exact same thing, but without the you know sort of KYC obligations that come with that. So that all that is to say is what really needs to happen is we need to go back to the drawing board and build a better mousetrap, right? We need a different way of approaching this that doesn't rely on the collection of information um, and reporting by a centralized intermediary because it just, it doesn't work. It, and it's only going to, you know, the, the, the criminals are very sophisticated and they're always going to know how to get around it. So we need to go think through. So what we would like FATF to do is to hold off on issuing any new guidance or recommendations, convene sessions with industry and other stakeholders, and really, you know, go back to the drawing board and try to find a new approach because this one just simply won't work. One thing I always enjoy talking to you about is sort of the inside baseball of how uh, lobbying works. You mentioned in the beginning of the show, you know, when you hear something like a rumor or, you know, want to get more information, you kind of dispatch to your, you know, network, so to speak. I'd be curious to hear a little bit more about that. Um, so let's say you hear something's coming down the pike with FATF, what, what's sort of the reaction internally? And then I kind of want to talk about more broadly the the growth of Washington's burgeoning um, policy lobbying crypto efforts. You know, there was this really cool article in the New York Times that had the headline, Crypto is Minting Lobbyists. But you've kind of been there since the beginning. So curious to hear about what you think of this evolution. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I think in terms of the information flow, I think unlike what you might see in finance in New York or or maybe even in Silicon Valley, um, where people hold, individuals, professionals hold in, information very close to the vest, DC is sort of a, a town with different motivations, right? Um, there isn't quite as much money at stake in this town. Most people are driven really kind of by a desire to have influence and to have, you know, a little, little slice of power than they are... Um, you know, by having, you know, some proprietary secret and, and the currency that people in DC use is information, right? If you know what's, what's happening or what's going on or details, that, that, that's valuable. That's how, you know, lobbying consultants make their money by having information um, that they can share. You have individual companies that will have Washington offices that want to report back and, and everybody is eager for information. And so there's a lot of, texting and phone calls and emails and and um, there's, there's just a wonderful flow of information. It's a little bit more stifled than it used to be right now because a lot of this happened in person. Um, you know, there were always events that people would attend during the day or in the evenings or lunches where a lot of this information would be shared. But there's a lot of back channeling that goes on here. Um, and um, but that that going to your second point is important for, I mean, that's why it's important for the crypto ecosystem to have a presence in Washington. And, you know, there are a lot of great people who've been doing this for a long time. Um, Coin Center comes to mind. I mean, that is, you know, they've been around, I think, six years now or so, and they are do a wonderful job um, in, in, in kind of an independent capacity and in thinking about these issues and building relationships. Um, the Blockchain Association has been around for almost three years now, and you know we are growing our network and and to really come a long way towards building out all of the relationships um, you know that we need. And you know I'm very excited as I look across our our member companies, which we I have announced 36. We got 
four more that we plan to announce, I think sometime next week, that brings us to 40. Uh, if you look across our members, I would, I would say probably 40 of our members, I'd say maybe five to seven of them are right now are looking to hire in-house policy people are looking to get ahead of government relations. Um, so they're, they're looking to build out their individual teams, which is great because that just means more information, more access. So we can spread out and have more conversations with more people. And um, it will ultimately, I think we'll get to the point where we have a critical mass where we can really stop bad things from happening, which I actually think we're already there. Um, but more importantly, get good policies to move forward that'll benefit the industry. At what point do you think there are too many, or is there ever too many, but could there be a situation where you have too many folks trying to lobby Washington from the crypto world, and they're all kind of maybe bumping into each other and not finding, you know, uniformity in, in what the policy goal should be, right? I mean, already the technology is so confusing. If you have everyone kind of running circles around each other, can that be problematic? Yeah, no, I think that having more people working on these issues is generally a good thing. Where problems arise is if there are differences as to where the industry should go. And you know, you, I've seen this in other industries, particularly sort of the tech industry, right? Um, the, the tech industry in Washington, or there, at one point years ago, there were like 40 different trade associations that were working on tech policy. And inevitably, what would happen is one of them would put forth a policy that was a kind of a weaker position than the other ones. And what happens is regulators and policymakers who tend to like to do easier things, they, they'll latch on to the weaker idea and say, oh, hey, but industry supports this when really like 95% of the industry doesn't support it. So I think it's good to have more human individuals working on these issues, but there has to be coordination because if there's not coordination, it's going to lead to policies that you know aren't going to benefit the majority of the industry. So, um, so yes, more is better as long as that, as long as everyone's on the same team and has the same vision. Backed is the digital wallet of the future, empowering you to manage all of your digital assets from a single place. Back puts the power in your hands to get your crypto loyalty and rewards points and gift cards together to choose how you want to use them. Treat your digital assets just like cash and convert, send, or spend them using Back. Get started today and get it together with Back. Available for download now in the App Store and Google Play Store. And I also want to take a moment to thank Kraken, the cryptocurrency exchange. For the last 10 years, Kraken has been known as one of the best platforms for trading crypto online. Whether it's your first trade or your 100th, Kraken has the tools to help you hit your financial goals in crypto. With Kraken, you can instantly buy and sell over 50 of the most popular cryptocurrencies or earn additional rewards through their industry-leading staking service. Payouts are twice a week, and you can earn up to 20% each year. Visit Kraken.com now to learn more. 
I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Exodus. Exodus is one of the most loved crypto apps due to its sleek design and easy to use exchange feature. Secure and manage over 130 cryptocurrencies from your computer or phone and interactive charts let you view the price history of a specific asset and your portfolio's performance over time. Sync your wallet across multiple devices to access your funds from anywhere. And maybe the best part, Exodus is integrated with Trezor Hardware Wallet, making advanced security easy for everyone. Download Exodus at exodus.com today. Often when we have these conversations, we talk about what we want to get across to Washington from the crypto world. Are we starting to see sort of a lack of uniformity between different agencies? Are there policy issues within crypto that are becoming more um, debated or contested among our own little participants? I think for the most part, the crypto industry right now is is fairly unified. Um, I, I look out to the future and I see maybe some divergence happening. Um, I think, you know, for on the securities law front, for example, you've got projects that have launched their tokens and they're out there in the world and they're operating and maybe they don't care so much. But for a project that hasn't launched yet, they might very much care about securities laws. Um, you know, sort of similarly, you have players in the crypto ecosystem who are money services businesses and they're complying with FinCEN regulations. And then you have, you know, sort of decentralized competitors that you know, it just doesn't make sense for them to do that. And so, so there are, um, you know, maybe different priorities, but I think what I've been particularly proud of the members of the blockchain association is they realize that even if there's something that's not a frontline issue for that specific organization, everyone realizes that we need strong policies across the board because crypto is so new, um, still relative to, you know, most industries out there, not obviously to those of us who work in the industry, it's, it's been around for a long time, but, I think that the industry has been responsible in, in trying to figure out what's best for the entire ecosystem and have been supportive of one another as um, there's been specific issues that have arisen. We've seen a fury of um, different former regulators take on these massive roles in the crypto world from Brian Brooks, former OCC, joining Binance US to, which is a blockchain association member. Proud member. <laughs> To Giancarlo, former CFTC commissioner, Chris Giancarlo, joining the board of BlockFi as chairman. Also a proud Blockchain Association member. Another Blockchain Association member for you. And then there was there's Brett Redfern. Well, he joined Coinbase, but he was former SEC. Before that, he was prominent Wall Street exec. So there's kind of the first question I want to ask is, I'm very curious what, you know, some of the high folks you engage with or the staff of agencies think about these big moves. Policy folks and reporters are very skeptical. So I'm sure many of them think, uh, you know, I'm going to chalk this up to a cash grab type of thing. But what's the impression? It, did that sort of resonate? And are folks taking the crypto market more seriously because of this? I think it helps tremendously with the credibility of the entire industry. I mean, I um, um, the other ones lately, um, I think were, were Max Bacchus, who mm -hmm. um, actually is not Finance US, but advises finance. Um, and I think Jim Messina went to 
I think it's blockchain.com. That's right. Yeah. He's a, he's a, Bacchus's former chief of staff is a very known um, operator, um, also a big Obama guy. I guess I should mention that. Um, but that gets the attention of people in Washington because these are people with whom they are familiar and they know and they, they, it, it signals to Washington that the industry is serious about engaging in Washington. You know, there's also this little uh, you know, I think kind of narrative that pops up in the back of everyone's mind is like, ah, crypto is getting serious. Maybe there's an opportunity for me too, right? Um, at least on the private sector side in Washington, you know, people are always trying to build out their client base or maybe try to go in house at some company. And when you see signals like that, it shows that there's probably more hiring to come, that there are issues that that these companies need to work on and that they're looking for experts. And so, yeah, I think it's incredibly positive news. Um, and I hope that, you know, more crypto companies will continue to add people internally, add advisors, add board members that come from the regulatory space. And, you know, sort of conversely, we want to have people who've worked in industry go in and work in government, right? And do a stint there and learn how government works because that benefits um, the industry as well. So, I mean, people criticize the revolving door, but it's something that every other industry is doing. And that if crypto ultimately wants to succeed, you want to have people that are knowledgeable about the industry in government and people who are knowledgeable about government in the industry. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So it's kind of like a two-way street in a sense. Maybe one day you'll, you'll, you'll work for a regulator. Nah, I'm having too much fun where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, we spent a lot of time talking about um, or, or sort of unpacking this arena you're in from the perspective of the agencies. How are things moving along on the side of Capitol Hill? Uh, the House and the Senate is the way folks are viewing Bitcoin there improving? I think that what happened with Coinbase, you know, and their direct listing was really positive for the industry as a whole. I think it has brought a lot more attention to Bitcoin. Um, I, I think that, yeah, there just tends to be a much better awareness across the board, whether it be with the federal agencies or with Congress, you know, about these things. It's certainly not perfect and not universal. And there's still a lot of work to do. But but yeah, I think it's getting better. Anything, you know, you're hearing anything interesting out of the House or Senate as it pertains to Bitcoin, aside from no. sentiment? think so i mean they're they're very focused right now you know when when you have um government from both parties there's they're very focused on using the window they have to move really big things right so getting an infrastructure package done getting tax increases done um i mean i think probably the most significant thing that'll happen for holders of bitcoin um is going to be what happens with capital gains rates right um so long-term holders are about to uh um you know it's going to be a lot more expensive if they decide to cash out so i think that's going to probably be the biggest thing that happens this year um you know there's a few little bills that are floating around in the house and in the senate and i i just don't see a whole lot of traction on those right now um you know, in terms of actually being signed into law. So I think where we really need to focus is with FATF through the career people at Treasury. Um, and then also with Gary Gensler at the SEC, because I think he's going to have some pretty specific ideas about what 
the crypto industry might need in terms of regulation. And so when he gets through a few of his other priorities, you know, we want to be ready to be a resource to him as he as he starts to think through some of these questions. So I think for the next, you know, uh, six to 18 months, that's probably going to be where most of the action is. So when we think about once once crypto becomes more of a priority for Gensler, and he has some time to look at this after the dust settles of, of him joining the agency. What are some of those big questions you anticipate his office will be grappling with? Well, I think one that they're going to have to think through is what what do they do with all these Bitcoin ETF applications? And um, I think there's a good chance that they start to approve those. I think probably the best chance we've ever had, but certainly not a done deal by any means. And they're going to be looking mm. at the the marketplace to determine if it's if it's ready for that. Um, I also think we're going to see this question of is there further guidance um, that could that could come around. You know what is what is a security and what is not a security. I think that we will also see potentially further guidance on actual digital securities. So you know using crypto networks to to mint. Uh, or tokenized securities as well. So I think that will be on his list. Um, I think what remains to be seen is does he think there needs to be additional disclosures, you know, coming from some of these organizations, or does he believe the SEC needs additional authority to regulate crypto more broadly? And so I think that's what's going to be kind of an interesting exercise to see where he comes out on that. And does he try to go to Congress and, and get more authority there? But I think he definitely... Um, is very well versed on this stuff. And um, I would be shocked if he made it through his tenure without taking some significant actions. Well, we shall see. And uh, once those things start to percolate, we'll, uh, we'll have to hit you up again. Kristen Smith, Blockchain Association. Yeah. And I can maintain my record. Yeah, no, it's, it's going strong. Yeah. There's just always so much stuff happening. So that yeah, helps. Yeah, never a dull moment here. Never. So. Thanks for coming on the show. Awesome. Thanks, Frank. 